This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Well, it's that time of year when Santa Claus is making his list and checking it twice to see who has been naughty or nice. Now, whilst we'll make no judgment calls ourselves on that outcome, it is an opportune time of the year to see what has been delivered in the last 12 months and what's making the news and what presents have been left under the Christmas tree. Hello, I'm Brian Ashenden and I have the pleasure of leading the BT Technical Services team a group of qualified individuals who are available to assist you as you plan out potential strategies with your clients to meet their future goals. Now, in today's podcast, we'll look back on the key themes of calls to our technical hotline that we've received from advisors over the last 12 months, as well as look at what strategy options are coming up for consideration as we head into 2024. We will also look at what has happened and what is known or expected to come in the regulatory change space. Now, joining me today to delve into these questions is Tim Howard, one of our technical services consultants that many of you would have spoken to on our technical hotline. Hi, Tim, and Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, Brian. Same to you. Pleasure to be here. All right. Well, Tim, let's kick this off with a look back over the last 12 months and some of the key themes of questions you've identified from the over 8,000 queries that you and the rest of the team have received. So, what is one of the biggest areas of inquiry that you've picked up? 8,000 is a lot of queries and I'm going through the list, superannuation, social security, and then an unusual theme this year around some client separation uh, and associated technical issues has come into the mix as well. So from a superannuation point of view, your carry forward concessionals, contribution caps, TSB interaction with the non-concessional cap, and the downsizer contribution tends to be what sits in the top three. Now, the reason for that is that from July 2023, from this financial year, from a carry forward point of view, clients have been able to look back for that full five financial years. So using the current financial year, previous five years, right back to the 1 July 2018 start date of that measure. Therefore, for certain clients, they may have a carry forward concessional contribution cap space of up to just over $150,000. So it is a very useful measure uh, for clients who are in the position, have the taxable income, might have a large cap gain, looking to maximize contributions as they approach retirement. So plenty of questions around that, looking to maximize it, how the total super balance uh, interacts, how their unused cap space interacts with what they may have contributed in relation to you know usual year on year contributions. High demand, for assistance with calculating bring forward cap space for non-concessional contributions. Now, we have developed over the last year or two a non-concessional contributions calculator, which is designed to help advisors really cross-check what clients' bring forward position might be. Across the three years, potentially 330, potentially 220 under a two-year bring forward, or potentially only 110 depending on what the client's total superannuation balance is. Keep in mind also, we have seen that the ability to make non-concessional contributions has pushed right out to age 75 without the need to meet the work test. And perhaps as a result of that, plenty of queries have come in around clients who are really right on the cusp of turning 75, what that means, how long we have to get those contributions in. Now, the downsizer is 
a measure which Ken's been with us for several years now, but what we have seen change in this space is the, the eligibility age coming down, in fact, from an original 65 to 60 and now eligible clients from age 55 are able to use that uh, that contribution if they're selling eligible drilling that they've held for over 10 years. Interesting part with this is the amount that we can put in under a downsizer contribution is capped at $300,000. That is a non-indexed figure. So whilst we've seen an improvement in the eligibility age, uh, we're not going to see a change in terms of how much can be contributed under this measure. In terms of quick questions in relation to the downsizer, plenty around blended families, plenty around spouses, second spouses, eligibility for spouses when spouses aren't on the title, eligibility for spouses when spouses haven't actually lived in the property, and a combination of yeses and nos uh, come into that depending on what the particular situation's been. So lots of technical questions, lots of different angles on this. And then finally, from a social security point of view, I guess it's worth mentioning um, what we've seen uh, from an indexation perspective, particularly into relation to not just the indexation of uh, payments, which we see on the 20th of March, the 20th of September each year, but what we saw on 1 July in relation to indexation of some of the means testing thresholds. Now, everyone's very familiar with the rate of inflation, the increase in CPI, which we've seen certainly over the last maybe 12 months or so. On 1 July, we actually saw an increase to a number of the means testing thresholds by a rate of almost 8% compared to what we saw this time or at the same time back in 2022. So what that meant was that a lot of clients may have become eligible for income support again. A lot of clients might have received quite a large increase in their income support payments. And that wasn't as a result of the payments themselves going up, but a result of the increase in the means testing thresholds. So that was a good news story for income support recipients through the middle of the year. And then we really wait to see what might happen moving into next financial year. Well, thanks, Tim. Certainly a, a lot happening and obviously a lot of questions coming in around superannuation contributions and the different types of contributions. And as you were just talking about, you know, some of the considerations for clients around social security benefits. Was there anything else beyond those technical areas that you sort of have picked up over the course of the last 12 months? A unique uh, set of questions we were getting was from around client separation, the technical aspects of it and some of the ethical or professional aspects of it. So what we've seen, we looked at the ABS statistics on that, on this uh, actually around separation, uh, which have been publicised in a few media articles as well through this year. But if you have a look at the statistics, divorce rates have been coming down since the early 90s, but in 2021, we saw the highest rate of divorces granted since right back in 1976, if you could believe it, at 56,244 divorces. So that has resulted in indirectly queries coming in from advisors around when clients are separating, when they're divorced, is there CGT rollover relief for some of the assets they hold in the relationship that are being split, is there CGT rollover relief when superannuation is being split, from an advice perspective, am I able to advise both clients through the separation, one client, no clients, what is the best outcome, what should I do from a 
code of ethics perspective. We've had some great sessions, some great PD days, testing some of these ideas, getting different views from advisors around what they're doing, what their business policies might be, what the ethical position is they're taking on it, and what we can do from an advice perspective to really, at the end of the day, uh, get the best outcome for the clients in situations like this. Outside of that being a unique theme this year, plenty of questions around excess contributions, both from a concessional and non-concessional point of view. And these are your usual ones. They're being driven by total super balance reporting, getting the right figures from the super funds, getting the right figures from the reporting that comes through MyGov or comes through the ATO portal, being aware around timing requirements for trustees, timing delays when there are self-managed super funds around reporting year-end balances, and all of these factors that can play into advisors thinking they've got the right information to provide advice, and they might have the information as presented, but they don't have all of the information as a result of some of the reporting timings or some of the nuances around reporting that the super funds do provide to the ATO. So just helping guide advisors, helping them understand uh, what plays into that space and working out whether it is a genuine excess or it's an excess as a result of some timing issues and, and just helping them manage and navigate that. No worries. Thank Tim. And, you know, I think it's a great example of the wide variety of calls that do come into the tech hotline and and I know for many of our listeners who do call you and the team regularly, it just shows that there's probably no question that's too odd, that's too strange, that's too simple, or perhaps even too complex to sort of ring through when it's obviously about getting the right advice for clients at the end of the day. So perhaps I might just turn quickly to what's been happening in the regulatory change space, which uh, has certainly been very busy during the last 12 months, under this the first full calendar year of the current Labor government. Now, there have been a number of things that have come through. One of those was the introduction of the experience pathway for advisors, thinking about how they can meet those professional standards going forward and that new opportunity that, you know, if as an advisor you can show you've got 10 years of experience over a 15-year period, then it actually gives you an exemption from any other requirements to do formal education, which I know for some has been a welcome relief and has given that ability, I think, to extend the amount of time that people can continue to work in financial services and provide that advice through to clients. The other one, obviously, though, that we're sort of seeing progression on throughout 2023 has been around the quality of advice review. Early in the year, we finally had the public release of the final report out of that quality of advice review with its 22 recommendations. And then about halfway through the year, we had the government's response, talking about what they're going to pick up, what they're going to look at, not ruling anything out, but breaking it up into a three-stage response. And then in November, we did finally see a, if you like, the first lot of legislation come out. Now, that admittedly was in a consultation format of draft legislation, but again, it's good to see, I think, this consultation process going through. This first stage talked about fixing the technical anomalies to give clarity to super funds that you know, an advisor can appropriately charge a relevant fee to a member's super account for their advice that relates to that particular superannuation interest. And also the government's proposed changes around ongoing fee arrangements in the annual consent process. Now, obviously, there's still more work to do. And I know there's been a lot of submissions that have been made to government about the drafting of those rules and how the drafting could perhaps be improved to better achieve the agreed outcomes 
out of this about more people having access to affordable quality advice outcomes. So it's still a process to work through and, and I'll come back to this one a little bit later on, but we've also seen the government come out with the next stage of its announcements around the quality of advice review and things that they'll be looking to do into 2024. But Tim, if we do talk about 2024 and turn our attention to the year ahead, are there any strategic considerations for advisors that I guess stand out for you as things that they should be thinking about in terms of planning with their clients into the next year? Three things I've identified here, Brian. The first one is the legislated, and I say legislated, meaning that these are coming in unless the government introduces to parliament change. The income tax cuts, the personal income tax cuts from 1 July 2024. Clients earning annual income of more than $45,000 will benefit from these tax cuts from July next year. And I say from $45,000, but the income tax benefit, the personal income tax benefit at their level is obviously very small. These tax cuts are going to benefit middle to high income earners to a greater degree. Now, the what it means is that for some clients who earn more than $120,000 a year, putting money into superannuation can prove to be more attractive from a tax-effective uh, point of view this financial year compared to waiting until next financial year. Now, the reason I say that is because the personal income tax rates that someone in this position pays this year uh, is going to be higher than they pay next year. So the contribution to super is going to be more valuable to them this year, all else being equal. Bearing this in mind, obviously, the 15% concessional tax rate within super, the tax saving resulting from putting money into super is still the same, but obviously the greater benefit being from next year. Any time we're working this out, we need to think about preservation. We need to think about whether the client may want or need that money in the short term, whether they've got accessible income against which to claim the deduction. But there is an opportunity, I feel, this year to look to really maximise concessional contributions, maybe use those carry the unused carrying forward cap space, get a higher deduction than what they might get going forward. So keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on whether in the May budget or between now and next year, the government looks to introduce any changes to that. $3 million superannuation cap the government has proposed as introduced into parliament, a bill to reduce the super tax concession for those with a total super balance. That exceeds $3 million. Under the proposal from 1 July 2025, uh, these clients would pay an extra 15% tax on earnings, a broadly defined term really for this measure, corresponding to the portion of their superannuation balances over $3 million. So if we look at the timing on this measure, whilst it is still in Parliament and that does mean, or currently in Parliament, that does mean that we could still see some changes to it as it makes its way through Parliament. Advisors do have a little bit of time, but not lots of time to consider any changes uh, that they might want to make as a result of what we see finally pass. Finally, indexation. Now, indexation of contributions caps and indexation of the general transfer balance cap, for example, is a question that comes up a lot through the hotline. It is something that we will know about from the start of next year in relation to the 24-25 financial year. CPI is the figure that drives the general transfer balance cap and therefore uh, the total super balance. AWASI is the figure that drives indexation of contribution caps being the concessional cap and then that feeds in to the non-concessional cap. 
So the figures we saw in December for CPA and the figures we saw earlier in the year for Awasi showing that we are very close to what might mean that the concessional cap may index next year to $30,000 and the non-concessional cap indexed at $120,000 and it may mean that the general transfer balance cap will go up from $1.9 million to $2 million. So when will we know? Uh, when will we get the indexation figures that drive the indexation of these two caps? Firstly, for the general transfer balance cap, 31st of January is the date where we will know whether the December quarter hits what we need. And then the 22nd of February will be where we get the figures to know whether the Awasi indexation or increase hits what we need for index of the contributions caps. So you'll know about see additional commentary around that for next year, but there is a chance that yet again, total super balance transfer balance cap will go up. And for the first time in a few years, contribution caps may also go up. So we'll be sure to do a podcast on it. We'll be sure to make advisors very aware of it, uh, Brian, come next year, if that is the case and what they can do from a strategy perspective so their clients can benefit from any change in these contribution and limits around superannuation. Well, thanks, Tim. Certainly lots for advisors to be thinking about there, just you know, over the break. And, and obviously, as you're saying, towards the end of January and the end of February, as we find out whether any of those thresholds increase and what opportunities that might present. And if I was to think about 2024 from a regulatory change perspective, well, we know the government has committed to legislating some reforms to privacy legislation that advisors will need to be aware of, you know, and that might have impacts on potential penalties where we see non-compliance coming through. And the government has also recently released a discussion paper and the announcement of a consultation process on superannuation in the retirement phase. So obviously we've had embedded the My Super environment for the accumulation and now the government really is turning its mind to what should the retirement phase of superannuation look like into the future. And also finally, we also recently saw the second stage of announcements from the government on the quality of advice review recommendations around areas such as the best interest duty, a reformed advice document, and the ability of superannuation funds to provide advice to their members. Now, you can hear more about these themes and others in our final BT Academy webinar for 2023, which will be on Wednesday, the 20th of December, midday in Australian Eastern Summertime, when I'll be further cracking open the legislative and regulatory bonbons to see what we've received during 2023 and what we can take into 2024. Now, unlike a bonbon, there'll be no useless toys here, but a real focus on those innovative and exciting advice gadgets to get you and your clients through the next 12 months. So put on your party hats, be prepared for a few bad puns as we wrap up the year that was and look forward to 2024. Now, you can register for this session by heading to www.bt.com.au forward slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. Now, all our webinars are accredited for CPD purposes, and you can watch them on demand if you can't join us live. And of course, remember that if you do have any advice strategy questions, you can call our BT Technical Services team on 1-800-655-901 or send the team an email at technical at btfinancialgroup.com. And the team would be only too pleased to help you work through your client strategies. Our hotline will be open up till and including Friday the 22nd of December 2023 
after which we're closed for two weeks before opening up again from Monday the 8th of January 2024. So I want to finish up today's podcast firstly by Tim thanking you for joining in today's discussion and again Merry Christmas uh, to you. Well, I saved to you and uh, thank you to the, all the advisors uh, for all the questions they continue to challenge the team on through this year. Look forward to talking to all of you again through next year. Thanks, Tim. And as Tim said to you, all of our listeners, thanks for joining us throughout the year on our podcasts, on our webinars and via our hotline service. And on behalf of the team here at BT, I wanted to wish you all a safe and happy time over the festive season and into 2024. So until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs. 